Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome. We are on episode number 60. 60, 60, 60, 60, 60. Wow. This is a big deal, you guys. And my name is Shama Sangeeta. I am Pradarshini. And I'm Shamali. And thank you so much for sticking with us for 60 episodes. We super appreciate you guys. Yeah, it's a big deal. 60 episodes. That's amazing. We are going to be doing this entire beautiful, powerful book called the Bhagavad Gita. So thank you for sticking with us until the very end. Yeah, it's also super exciting. We're on chapter eight, text 10. We just started chapter eight. We're talking about how to attain the Supreme. Arjuna has some really good questions. Krishna is answering those questions. And we're getting to understand what we have to do at the end of our lives. Right. Yeah. This this entire chapter thus far has been just a giant Q&A session. Right. And I'm here for it. I'm I here it. for it. And I, I mean, each it. time it's nice because we go filling in the puzzle that is Krishna, understanding a little bit more about him, how he's the smallest of the small and yet so ex- the most expansive. He's everything, everything, everything you could imagine. So we're starting to add a little bit of the details of who is this mystery, mysterious being that is Krishna. Yeah. yeah. And for the context of for this episode, um, for text two, Arjuna asks this really big question. How can one, those engaged in devotional service, know Krishna at the time of death or remember Krishna at the time of death? And so Krishna is still answering this question, even in this episode. And we're going to be starting with text 10, the continuation of his answer to that very question. Beautiful. All right. Invocation right. prayers. Let's do it. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual teacher opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto them. All right. So chapter 10 text, or sorry, chapter eight, text number 10, dyslexia, corrupt, <laughs> my dyslexia crept in right there. Oh. Chapter eight, text number 10. Prayer Darshani. One. Oh, this is Krishna speaking, by the way. Yes. One who at the time of death fixes his life air between the eyebrows and by the strength of yoga with an undeviating mind engages himself in remembering the Supreme Lord in full devotion will certainly attain to the supreme personality of Godhead. Spog. The Spog. Okay, so at <laughs> the time of death, again, we talked about how important it is to focus on Krishna. And Krishna is actually telling you like line by line by line, exactly what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yet at the same time, I think the purport clarifies that a pure devotee does not need to practice this yoga because we're always engaged in Krishna consciousness. So at death, for us, we can just remember the Supreme Personality of Godhead by His grace. But if you did practice it, it would be helpful because it's just another method, like it's just another uh, practice Me- yep. to control the mind and to help. Because as we said in the previous ep- uh, episodes, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> text, um, when we're at the time of death, whatever that death looks like for any of us, it is difficult. Right. Um, it is hard to focus the mind. It is hard to forget the, or or refocus the pains of the body into a different kind of consciousness. Right. So basically, I think Krishna is giving that alternative for yogis in general right. and saying <clears throat> the way to do it is to fix their life air between the eyebrows. Cause, yeah, because the reason why... 
It basically says this practice of this type of yoga in the text is called Sat Chakra Yoga, involving practice uh, meditating on the six different chakras. So that's why like if you do yoga, okay, do this, but it's not absolutely necessary to attain Krishna's abode for a devotee. You can practice bhakti yoga. But it still says without practice of yoga, whether it's Sat Chakra Yoga or bhakti yoga, one cannot come to the transcendental state of being at the time of death. And we can't suddenly remember the Supreme Lord of death. One must have practiced some sort of yoga system, especially they say in the purport, the system of bhakti. Since, you know, we've talked about it. One's mind at death is super disturbed. It's very difficult. We need to practice transcendental meditation throughout our life. Yeah. I find it very interesting that Krishna talks about focusing between the eye eyebrows, right? Because mm. um, I used to study this, like this, this chakra system, actually. I used to, I did a whole course on like pranic healing and like learning Whoa. all the chakra system. I know. It was really? Cool. Back in the day. Was, Back like, in the day when you were like ago. a healer. I know. I mean, I don't know why, but I was super <laughs> fascinated, but I'm always super fascinated by that kind of stuff. But was like- that before you got into bhakti or after? Before, before. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're already like inclined to oh, learning. Oh, 100%. I was like totally in that realm. I was like right. studying chakras, the power of chakras, how to clean chakras, how to like un- like see what's wrong in a, in a person's body just by examining like the different size of their chakras and whatnot. Mm. I used to be able to do all that stuff. It requires a lot of meditation and all that stuff, but but I used to be, and so Krishna's talking about the agya chakra right now, which is the chakra that is in between mm. the, the eyes, right? Right? The third eye. Yes, essentially that is like the portal to different dimensions. That is the power to like see things oh. in the past, see things in the future. Future. Some people who are like super evolved already have this chakra super heightened, wow. right? And they can see like different dimensions and whatnot, right? They can see what's going to happen in the future, right? right? Wow. Very, very powerful, very rare quality. And a lot of people cultivate it through meditation. And sometimes right. they can cultivate it just by like being born and they just have those powers. Yeah. What's interesting is Krishna's talking about this particular chakra and it's very powerful chakra used for meditation, right? Mm. So Krishna is encouraging you to focus on this chakra during the time of death because that isn't the ultimate meditation, right? Ooh, can I say something kind of random? Oh, but, yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, when I go to my acupuncturist, he puts a needle right there, like right. where it's supposed to go. And it's incredible. I don't know if you guys have experienced it, but basically I feel like there is like a, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it, but there's like this powerful force in my forehead right there when he puts it that I don't feel anywhere else when he puts the needles anywhere else. And then it gives this like (sighs) calming effect. And then my mind is calm and it's peaceful. And so that, I just think that's so cool. And probably part of why if you focus on that, then you go into a peaceful mind and therefore you can focus on Krishna. 100%. All these chakras throughout our body are so powerful, right? Like we're going to talk about the top chakra, the crown chakra, right? Which is used for like elevation, liberation, meditation, Mm. but like this, the forehead chakra, like all these chakras actually, if we know how to use them, like we can use them towards the service of Krishna, right? And so like Mm. that, I want to kind of want to do the acupuncture thing. You should. It's really cool experience. And I do think it just, it, it fits very well with this text because it's kind of like clearing the mind so that you can think of Krishna. Yes. So if it may be by yogic meditation, you can achieve the same experience mm-hmm. or probably better experience right. than my acupuncture and therefore be able to focus your mind in Krishna. Well, remembering you, you know, when you did the wishing motion of like yeah. what it feels like when you put the needle there, my mind just jumped to, and I'm sure I've told this story before when I was like, after breaking my back, I was in the helicopter, immense amount of pain. And I, didn't know at that moment if I was going to live or die. I just knew I can't breathe, can't move my lower half of my body. So that's when I closed my eyes and I started chanting and I felt this 
zoom, this absolute release, and that I just got into a very peaceful place. I wasn't consciously thinking of that point in between my eyebrows. Was it physical or like more spirit? Like, was it a physical feeling? I mean, it might have been, but in in that moment, I was thinking of the more of the spiritual side. I was kind of like trying to let everything go. Mm. Or I wasn't even trying. It just kind of overcame me. So when you did that motion, I don't know, my mind just jumped to that place. (laughs) And I felt like I entered a... I don't know, uh, a zone, let's say, or a, a dimension where I just kind of like, I almost saw like tendrils that were the material realm, just zoom, the tendrils kind of flying back. I, I don't know. It was just a feeling, you know? So I, I think it was a physical sensation, but that wasn't my focus. My mm. focus was on like, okay, I might die right now. Let me just kind of really try to chant now. So I closed my eyes and everything that had been like the weight that we carry of life on our shoulders, it just zoom, let go, you know? And things that had been bothering me the day before that I was carrying, just everything, like I said, tendrils of the material realm that zoom, faded away, and I just let it go. So when you did that motion, I kind of jumped back to there. So while I might have not been consciously thinking of that, it makes sense where that's kind of like the third eye is there. And that is even if you don't practice that type of yoga as practicing bhakti yoga practitioners, we might have similar effects, you know? of all of that. It's true. I mean, the, 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 the chakras that we have in our body are super, super powerful. And I think that at the end of the day, like Prabhupada is talking about just like focusing on Krishna. And I think what's important is this line that says with an undeviating mind. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to like this fickle monkey mind that every single day that we have to deal with. And, but if we learn how to bring it back, how to restrain it, how to bring it back to the service of Krishna, that's how we can make our mind more and more undeviated, right? Like yeah. where we're, we're uh, deviation essentially means it's like running out of control, right. right? It's like it's like a goat that is like a, without a leash and it's just going around town. Right. You, our producer can do a really good goat sound. Can you do a goat sound? <laughs> right? It's like a goat without oh a God. leash, right? And that's that's like our undeviated mind. Boom, right. did it. <laughs> she <laughs> really was trying to put in the goat sound. Set him um, up. She was trying to set him up. <laughs> So he can make that Nailed it. He does such a good goat sound. You should do it one more time. Completely irrelevant. But you made it work. Made it work. Stuck the landing. Yeah, stuck the landing. (laughs) They keep really honing in on this point about how uncomfortable death is. And I just want to really talk about this a second because I know a few episodes ago, Priya had made a point about, you know, we hear these words and okay, we hear them. They might be like death, disease, blah, 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 old age. But just let's pause for a second and really think of the weight of what that means at the time of death. And my mind can't help but go to my spiritual master, Kadamba Swami, who recently died and I was in the room watching that. And someone with that level of surrender was such an example to watch because he had stage four cancer. He was essentially being eaten alive on the inside, talking about bodily discomforts here. And he didn't want to take a single ounce of painkiller, not even like Advil, uh, to disturb his consciousness. So he was being eaten alive on the inside. Yet to the very end, he stayed so focused on Krishna that I might have mentioned 30 minutes before he passed away, he rolled onto his back on the bed and stretched his arms and he was smiling, but so blissfully that on that level of pain, most people wouldn't be smiling. A doctor had inspected him before he passed and said, 
it is like the amount of pain that he has is like a level nine or 10 out of 10, like humanly impossible that he is not taking any painkillers. And he like bowed to Kadama Kanemar as the doctor because he said, I can't believe what you are doing right now. So I think of him when I think of this verse that achieving that level of focus on Krishna, on your goal, on he was already there. He was in the other realm, but not be disturbed by the bodily discomforts to me shows that he practiced it throughout his entire oh, yeah. life. Yeah. You know, because most of us, when we, when we uh, reach that time of death, we're afraid we're in pain. We're probably, a lot of us will be taking stuff for the pain. We'll be in all sorts of different conditions, oh, yeah. mentally, physically. I will take all the drugs for the pain. hundred <laughs> percent. Right. But it's true. Like what's, what's great about your spiritual master is like, he was, it, uh, the verse says an undeviated mind, right? Yeah. So like with, without, with everything that's going on with his body, he was like be, being able to make sure that his mind doesn't deviate. Right. right. And like we talked previously about like, um, previously about like how making sure that our mind, like whether it's like cold or hot right, or dishonor right. or stones or pebbles or gold, right? Like making sure that we don't deviate no matter what, right? right and right. focusing that on Krishna. Right. Cause that's, yeah. It's it, like he passed the test. We've talked about death, like the test, the ultimate test of yeah. life. And someone had later told my guru's guru was in the room and someone told Jaidweta Swami, wow, talk about, that was like, beautiful. Like what a example. And he said, no, that was picture perfect departure, like a wow. perfect departure. Yeah. So, so in this verse, Krishna's saying that if you focus at the time of death on Krishna, on me with, un, with an undeviated mind, you will surely attain me. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Okay. That's I, I, I love that. I feel like it's very specific, very clear. It's mm. like a really easy, um, not easy, very clear <laughs> instruction. Right. It's very the difficult. Goal, the goal is very easy. clear. They're very clear. Right. Yeah. Okay. Text 11. All right. Text 11. Persons who are learned in the Vedas, who utter omkara and who are great sages in the renounced order enter into Brahman. Desiring such perfection, one practices celibacy. I shall now briefly explain to you this process by, by which one may attain salvation. Mm. Interesting. So here to kind of frame it, we had given different definitions of Brahman. So in the purport, it says basically here, Krishna is explaining the impersonal Brahman into which the renounced order of sages enter. So that's as bhakti yoga practitioners, that's not our final destination, but some paths that is their end goal, the to go into the impersonal Brahman. Got it. So Krishna's saying people who study the Vedas, they they say like Om, right? They they say the syllable Om. Um, they are great sages in the renounced order and enter into Brahman. Okay. Right. Okay, and a little further down in the purport to add more context. So they're saying at the moment, such a brahmachari or an unmarried celibate, life is not all that easy to do for us because Prabhupada says the social construction of the world nowadays has changed so much that he writes, there is no possibility of one's practicing celibacy from the beginning of student life. He's very realistic with yeah. their current predicament. So basically saying, therefore, and we've talked about this personality, Lord Chaitanya has announced that according to scriptural injunctions for this age of Kali, we've said time and time again, that this age, there's no better process of realizing the Supreme except for the chanting of the Holy Name. Or he writes, Hare Krishna, Hare, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare Hare. 
Wow. Okay. And then, so desiring such perfection, one practices celibacy, which you talked about, Shamali. And now Krishna will explain to us the process by which one may attain salvation. Oh, do tell me that, wow. Krishna, please. I'm at the edge of my seat. <laughs> this is great. Anything else on this text? Mm, no. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Text number 12, Shamali. The yogic situation is that of detachment from all sensual engagements closing all the doors of the senses and fixing the mind on the heart and the life air at the top of the head, one establishes himself in yoga. Ooh, interesting. Is, is this path uh, particularly f like the meditative path for yogis? Yeah. here they, sages? Because it does seem like right with this and the previous text, Krishna's describing different ways that aren't necessarily our path of bhakti yoga, but it does add some context. The purport says... To practice yoga as suggested here, one first has to close the doors to all sense enjoyment. This practice is called pratyahara, or withdrawing the senses from the sense objects. And I like how they say here, the sense organs for acquiring knowledge, they frame that nicely, are the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and touch. So they, instead of saying those are just our senses, there are the organs meant for acquiring knowledge and they should be fully controlled and not allowed to engage in different distracting things and mm. sense gratification. So, but yeah, this isn't necessarily our path of bhakti. So yeah. I'm not, I it's guess it's not practical in this age. Yeah, exactly. So I think this is kind of like for sages and things like that. And, you know, you can try it, but like it's <laughs> easier to go with the bhakti yoga. Yeah. Right. And what's right. interesting is like, I, I, I want to talk about the chakra element again, right? Because Krishna is talking about different chakras, right? And he talks about for for these sages and whatnot, closing all the doors of the senses, fixing one's mind on the on the heart and in the top of the head, right? Which is known as the crown chakra. That is the chakra known for liberation, right? If you mm -hmm. can meditate on there, that is your neck. Like um, a, a teacher once introduced it to me as like the thread that goes from the top of your crown chakra goes to the lotus feet of Krishna, actually, oh, right? So that's that beautiful. it connects you right through. That's the part of the body that we connect to, actually. That's so sweet. The crown chakra. Mm. Nice. All right. Anything else before we go to check text 13? Let's do it. Yeah. Text 13. Uh, is uh, that who's that? Yeah. <laughs> like a brain fog entered oh, yeah. all of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Priya, Priya. Okay. Oh my gosh. Wow. After being situated in this yoga practice and vibrating the sacred syllable Om, the supreme combination of letters, if one thinks of the supreme personality of Godhead, and quits his body, he will certainly reach the spiritual planets. Mm. So they're saying by, oh, I, I'm picturing this. Okay, this is talking about like sages, right? So right, first of all, right. you're celibate your whole life, you go into, and then you like just um, focus on meditating the syllable om, right? right like that's right. kind of the visual Krishna's painting. And then he's like, if at this, like, if at the time of death, this is the practice you do, you will attain me. Yeah? Right. Yeah. The Prabhupada says that the impersonal sound of Krishna is Om. So I guess the personal sound would be the Maha Mantra. Mm. Right. Because here's kind of in the purpose saying that Om, Brahman and Lord Krishna are not different. They're just right. Different energies. So mm. while some might want to enter into the impersonal Brahman, our final goal is the personal form of Krishna. So right. The impersonal sound of Krishna is Om. But the sound, this is super interesting. The sound Hare Krishna contains om so we've talked about before as Hare krishna being the the maha mantra or the king of all mantras that contains everything else within it now 
I don't hear necessarily Om I was literally Hare thinking, Krishna. I was Hare like, Hare Om Krishna. But maybe like, let's brainstorm a second. Maybe why they say it contains it is like in the meaning, right? Yeah. Because okay, in the literal sound, yeah, because it's the name that. of Krishna. So Om is a Omkar is the name of Krishna, right? Right. Yes. Right. And so in the same way, it's Krishna is in there, Rama is in there, right? Know, like, so exactly. So all the meaning, all the personalities we're invoking, glorifying, asking to be servants of, they're contained in this Maha mantra, the yeah. king of all mantras. So they say, right, if one quits his body at the end of life chanting Hare Krishna, then he'll certainly reach one of the spiritual planets according to the mode of his practice. Yeah. So, right, there's different planets, different modes of practice. Uh, the devotees of Krishna enter the Krishna planet, Goloka Vrindavan. But for the personalist, there are also innumerable other planets known as Vaikuntha planets in the spiritual sky where the impersonalist remain in the Brahma Jyoti. So I think we can, what, what does that mean oh, isn't for that- a second? Let's unpack it. Where the Vaikuntha planets are in the spiritual sky where the impersonalist remains in the Brahma Jyoti. So right, that's still not the topmost abode of Krishna in his personal form in Goloka Vrindavan. Um, that's a lot to unpack right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a lot. Okay. So how would you guys describe the Brahma Jyoti? Brahma Jyoti is kind of like um, the, okay. So say Krishna is the sun. Brahma Jyoti is the rays of the sun. Oh, I like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's effulgence. like the effulgence off of Krishna, right? So, but yeah, look, you have to remember that it's not Krishna himself. Right. I just looked it up in the glossary. Brahma Jyoti, the spiritual effulgence emanating from the transcendental body of Lord Krishna and illuminating the spiritual it's world. exactly yeah. what... The rays, exactly. the rays nice. of Very Krishna. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So basically what I, what I understand from this is those that worship an impersonal version of Krishna, um, you know how... Have you... We've talked about this before, how like if you are a devout follower of Jesus, devout right. follower of Allah, you might Buddha, go to the Jesus planet. Might or be, the... You might go to a heavenly planet right. for the devout uh, so that you can enjoy the fruits of your labor in this life. But it's it's karmic anyways. Mm. And then you eventually come back. So it seems to me like the in this sense, we're talking about the impersonalists because of what they're uh, practices are they right. they go to the Brahman Jyoti with this, the the effulgence that they're kind mm-hmm. of uh, worshiping in a sense, and um, and then they stay there until I guess they come back and try again. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the gist of what I'm. Yeah, if you're a devotee of Krishna at the time of death, you go to Krishna. But if you are worshiping a different form or an impersonal form, you go to that effulgence. Well, a, a different form might be different, right? Because they have the innumerable other planets in Vaikuntha or as Priya said, heavenly planets where you go to, you're in the spiritual sky and you go to maybe that abode or depending on who you are worshiping. But then the different, on the different realm, you have the impersonal side, right? Like someone who worshiped a personal form wouldn't go to the impersonal Brahma Jyoti, no? Yeah. Or, yeah. Everyone goes into their, what they're into. The category. Right? Right, so like right. you love Shiva, you go, well, you will go to a planet Right. Shiva Loka. Shiva, yeah, Shiva Loka. And then, then you spend, let's say, 100 years there because that's what you, the rewards that you reaped right. for your service. And then you go back to the material world and then take another human life. Take another form. human life so you can find Krishna. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Exactly. Mm. Wow. You know, there's so many different types of destinations that you could go to after death. I know. Right. Wild. It, almo- it almost feels like, like, why is it just Krishna? You know, like all these people are like, well, if I am a devout Shiva disciple, if I'm a devout Christian, like Jesus disciple, like, why don't I stay there forever? Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. Because I mean, the answer is because they, according to the Gita, are not supreme, right? And everything yeah. there is temporary. So you'll have to come back down to figure out a way to get back to Krishna. And yeah. as we've said, if you do have love and devotion for your particular um, deity that you're worshiping, Krishna, okay, gives you the way to worship that particular he demigod or that strong. path. He makes your face strong and he'll encourage you. And then, you know. You'll find your way. Yeah. You'll find your way, man. It's like a big, like, it's a big game, actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, you could, you could try this, right? It's like, right. choose your own ending, right? right? But your ending has consequences and you have to figure out what the purpose of the game is. Right. And those who, who merge into the Brahma Jyoti, I want to say something about that quickly, because those are the impersonalists who basically don't see Krishna in his personal form. So oftentimes when they, I've heard this before that like, I don't know, since they're merging essentially into a, an energy, like a bright light, once you get there, it's not like in the spiritual world where there's all this variety, all this dynamic, entertaining pastimes. It's, it's a bright light. You're floating, essentially, in this bright light. And in my mind, I thought of, um, I know this amazing woman, uh, she's an energy healer, and I don't, I don't know if she, I don't think she entered the Brahma Jyoti, but she described in one of her like meditations, she, she felt that she entered this space of this like white, pure, calming light. And she's like, and you know what I felt after some time? And I was like, what? She's like, bored. I was bored. It was so, 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 so peaceful, but there was nothing there. And I was like, interesting. Wild. I don't know where she entered. I think Brahma Jyoti is like, once you leave your body yeah. and enter there. Yeah. yeah. But it made me think of a little, the concept of a bright, white, peaceful That's light. That's kind of a funny response. You know, too. bored, bored, bored. <laughs> yeah. She's like, at first it was, whoa, she and entered this realm in meditation. But then, yeah, after some time, she's like, yep. Okay. And the thing is, if we if we practice bhakti yoga and we go to Krishna, it's never boring. Yeah. Krishna is so fun. It's a whole it's, right. It's Krishna he constantly land. don't they say he's a hoot and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's constantly ever fresh, they say, right? Ever yeah. new. It's always, always exciting. That's cool. I mean, I don't do you guys know anything in this material world that's always, always exciting, no matter how many times you do it? Ketamine. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh my we God. Were just talking to a podcast. <laughs> we were talking to a ketamine specialist before this and that's yeah. why ketamine's on my mind. <laughs> but no, I don't know anything that is. <laughs> I don't know anything that is super I love fun. your spontaneous, unfiltered mind. <laughs> that's the first thing that came yeah, to my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't anyway. worry. I've never done ketamine. But you know what? Just There's <laughs> even an economic theory. I'm forgetting. I studied in like intro to macro and micro econ in college that they were saying after a certain time, uh, what you're doing will stop giving you the the rewards or the satisfaction after yeah. like x amount of time so that's the nature of everything in this material literally, world literally you'll you're never satisfied yeah and it's like and it gets boring and then you want something else and something different and right and krishna like, i think krishna consciousness might be the only thing that's always exactly. fresh and interesting the real adventure yeah all right text, text number 14 shama sangeeta yeah. for one who always remembers me krishna without deviation I am easy to obtain, O son of Pritha, because of his constant engagement in devotional service. Mm. I feel like we talked one more about time. this a lot, one more right? Time. Yeah, from the top. <clears throat> For one who always remembers me, Krishna, without deviation, I am easy to obtain, O son of Pritha, because mm. of his constant engagement in devotional service. Mm. So, right, basically, this verse is describing. The final destination, our final goal attained by those who are truly just surrendered servants of 
Krishna, of God in bhakti yoga. We want to achieve him and hopefully, you know, we'll use this human form of life to do something valuable with it. Yeah. yeah. What would you guys say, looking back on your life, like let's say Shama Sangita, okay. you are 88 years old. You're looking back. What would, what would you have to do in this life to feel like, yeah, I did everything I could possibly do. I can leave this world satisfied. Now that's a huge Why are you question. <laughs> no, I'm asking. I'm laughing because it's an incredibly difficult question to I know, answer. As I said wait, it, I'm like, okay, wait, wait. I, wait, wait. How, what, how? What do I look like at 88? Oh, you do look I have a really good skincare, skincare routine? Great skincare. Oh my yeah. goodness. No wrinkles. Sorry, well, I forgot what the question was. What, see, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for liberation right now. Okay, what's the question again? No, and and you can answer as like I know it's a hard question to answer, but. What type of a life even doesn't have to be details. What type of a life would you have to live for you to feel like you can look back before departing from this world and feel like, yeah, I've lived a life that I can be proud of without any regrets. Material or spiritually? That's up to you, Tans. Ooh, I think spiritually, I would have to take my spiritual service way more seriously. Mm. I would have to chant with more devotion every single day. I would have to lessen the material influences of pop culture and music in my <laughs> life on a day-to-day basis because I do love me some good T-Swift and some movies and all that stuff. I would have to lessen that. I would have to make sure that everything that I do throughout my day, not just morning or, or evening, like throughout my day, I'm doing to serve Krishna, making sure Krishna has breakfast and lunch and dinner and water and flowers every single day. Like I would Mm. really, oh God, I would have to change my whole life. All right, I'm going to get on it. You just, that's so sweet, Shama, because you know what? While you were talking, what you said, the way you worded one thing reminded me of this story we just read. So in preparation for Rathiyatra, we were with my mom. And like my spiritual grandma, we were reading the story of the Jagannath Priyanatikam. And in that story, there was one uh, Shabara king, which the Shabras are supposed to be like the, are they the pig herders? They're like in India, not a very high caste, so to speak. But he was worshiping Nila Madhava, Nila Madhava, Nila Madhava in the Niladri forest with such devotion that he would come to worshiping the deity. Worshiping who and the who and the what? Okay, what? Krishna. Simplify yeah. it. Yeah. He was worshiping Krishna. Nila Madhava is another name for Krishna. Who, who was worshiping? A king. This No, no, no. The Shabra leader. He wasn't even this opulent so king. a village the, leader. The, the pig herder leader. The pig herder leader. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Which it wasn't a very high status. Yet the Lord was so merciful that he let anyone worship him with love. And when you were talking about uh, make sure he's fed, give him a flower, just very spontaneously, the way you were wording that reminded me of the way it was worded in the text that he would come up every day so excited to get to this place in the forest where this deity of Krishna was. And he'd be like, oh my Lord, it's so nice to see you. Did you rest well? Would you like any water? How are you feeling today? Can I get you any food? He was just so spontaneous with so much love worshiping him. This was actually all the the story then of King Indradumna, which is also the name of your spiritual master. So I'm sure you guys would love this story, but the way you worded it was like reminded me of the spontaneous love that this 
this Shabara leader had of this just, pig herder. This pig leader. herder just went <laughs> and was so talking simple. to the Lord. Can I get you anything? I'll be right back. Let me go into the forest and get you some fruits and, and roots. And, and he would just pour his heart into talking to this form of the Lord. Yeah. And that's really what the Lord wants. And I, I guarantee you, he did not know all the Brahminical rituals of like, yeah. got to do this, uh, say this mantra, this time, this, this, like all the yeah. rules and regulations, which are are there for a reason, sure. But, but the Lord allowed this pig herder to worship him in the most loving, spontaneous way. You know, and then the connection to Krishna is not is not just for certain people. It's not just for CEOs or billionaires mm-hmm. or, you know, people who were born into certain families or or pig herders in this case, right? It's, the connection to Krishna can be for everyone. Mm. And the, th- the the point that I got from your story, Shamali, is that mm. it can be very simple mm-hmm. what you do for Krishna, yeah. right? The intention is the most important thing. And if the intention is, is love, that that's all that matters, right? So taking it back to the verse for a second, by constant engagement in devotional service, like one who remembers Krishna without deviation, like that mm. is the most important thing. Mm. It can be in the most simple ways you serve Krishna and it doesn't matter how much money you have. Mm. It just matters what your intention is in your heart. Exactly. That's so sweet. Yeah. I think Prabhupada takes uh, this opportunity to say a lot of different things here in the purport. And he talks a lot about what bhakti yoga, right? Because basically Krishna is talking about this, right? Engaging in devotional service. And that's the the path of bhakti yoga. And so he says, bhakti yoga is very simple. One can simply begin by chanting Hare Krishna. The Lord is merciful to all. Mm. But as we already explained, he's specially inclined towards those who always serve him without deviation. And so this is the first part, right? We just chant Hare Krishna and we like focus on the Lord and try to remember him at all times. Mm -hmm. And then there's this really fun part. I think this is where we've talked about this informally before and maybe even a little bit with the names, but there are five different ways that Mm. you can, uh, that uh, you can engage in Bhakti Yoga, right? right? So the first one is Santa Bhakta. And it's engaging in devotional service in neutrality. What would neutrality mean or look like? Uh, maybe that's more of like the the following the practices. You, right. you do the rituals, right. you worship, right. you service, like all these things kind of in a neutral way. The second one is Dasya Bhakta. And it's engaging in devotional service as a servant, mm. right? So saying, right. Krishna, I'm your servant. I'm here right. to serve you. I want to do this, this and that. I know people who's service attitudes are amazing. That's Mm. all they want to do. And it comes very, very natural to them. They're always available to do service, right? Right. Number three is Sakya Bhakta. And it's when you uh, engage in Bhakti Yoga as seeing Krishna as your friend. Mm. I know Shama has said that she sees Krishna as her friend. Oh, 100%. I'm a whatever you said, Sakya Bhakta. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I see Krishna too. And then uh, number four, it's Vatsalya Bhakta which is when you see Krishna as your child or mm. as your parent, right? So that relationship of parent-child relationship. And then number five is when you see Krishna as your uh, lover. Mm. So like your yeah. partner, your, right? The, this, it, you're like in a relationship with him in that right. way. I and like so, that you, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead, go ahead. I like that you broke it down because, yeah, we've talked about it before, but it's always a nice reminder of, there is so much variety in bhakti. It's not just love God, have a relationship with God. Okay, who is God? And then furthermore, we can have so many different types and forms of relationship with Krishna, you know? Yeah. And they say you get to you get to such an elevated state that at one point your true eternal spiritual identity 
starts being revealed and you start having an affinity more towards one of these different ways, you know, and it's fun to feel it's not fun's not the right word. It's beautiful to feel more attracted to one of these. There was a teacher that at one point said, you feel Krishna as the lover wrong. You're just saying that now because you're either a woman or a man or you're you feel him as a friend wrong because like he was kind of saying not wrong, but saying, don't get ahead of yourself. You're just right now, maybe gravitating towards one of them because of your material body. But I still think it's nice to like, when you identify with one of them, Mm -hmm. right. It helps develop that relationship deeper, which is what the ultimate goal is. Right. Right. I think for, at least for my mom, she always saw Krishna either as her kid or her partner. Oh, same thing with my mom. She always saw Krishna as her kid. And that might be like life stages, right? Maybe like right right now we're at the buddy stages with Krishna and then eventually Right. So we will see Krishna in a different way, but it just helps it doesn't deepen hurt. that relationship. Yeah. Right. So it's cool that you can have a different type of relationship. Right. You know what I mean? Like whatever the vibe is that you want to have with him, right. you, he'll, he'll vibe back with you. It's so, so yeah, it's maybe. It's so important because also, sorry, Shamali. Good. It's ahead. important also because as, it, as it's been stated many times before, every soul is individual. Right. Every soul is unique in their own way. And therefore we seek and are attracted to different ways of having a relationship right. with Krishna. Right. So, and it is a point that you said like, okay, maybe when you're a mom, you might feel like he's your child. Maybe now that we're young, we feel he's our friend or our lover. But beyond all that, there really is a point in the path where you have an an eternal position that you are one of these in the spiritual realm with him. And the higher and higher you go and deeper you go into this path, it'll be unveiled to you, you know, but that's at a very, very high stage. So till then we can all... Just enjoy what we connect with. Until then, just chant the Maha Mantra. Just chant Hare Krishna. Yeah. Right. And you know, I like how it says, the Lord gives such a devotee sufficient intelligence so that ultimately the devotee can attain him in his spiritual kingdom. So that again highlights, he gives us the intelligence. It's not that we with our own mind, intellect, and capacities can understand him intellectually, philosophically. If I study enough, my mind will get it. No, he gives us the knowledge and the understanding. It's by mercy. Um, so I really liked that. All right. Anything else? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One last thing. Not all right. It says, um, the idea of constantly being engaged in devotional service and the idea of practicing bhakti yoga is so that we can always think of Krishna with devotion, no matter what time or place, but furthermore Mm -hmm. is so that no matter where you are, you can create an atmosphere of being in like a holy place Mm. where Krishna is there. So like, it doesn't matter if you are driving or if you are in your house or if you're at the temple, Krishna is there and you hold a place for him because you're always thinking. Or if you're pig hurting. It doesn't matter where you are. Or if you're at a, a goat factory or sorry not factory I'm that's sorry, a, <laughs> a goat farm I, I meant farm I uh, meant farm uh, what does that, what, what's what's that sound what's like the, I don't know what that would sound that was perfect and I like that you brought that up Priya because that's a very important point oftentimes uh Whenever we think I have to just live in a holy place to be holy or spiritual, that is not true because, you know, some people say that, okay, we need to remain in holy places like Vrindavan or a town where the Lord lived. But like Priya was saying, 
a pure devotee can live anywhere and create that atmosphere of Vrindavan. And that's something that like Kadama Kanamaraj emphasized so much that we often hear, go to Vrindavan to recharge the batteries, but then come back into the real world and preach, spread this knowledge, you know, don't try to just staying in Vrindavan is almost for your own, for your own self to, to, I don't know, I want to stay in this little spiritual bubble, but beyond that, okay, stay in the bubble for a little, like touch the home base, recharge the battery, then go out and do something with it. And take it with you because Vrindavan is not about just the place. It's about creating that sentiment within yourself, creating that environment so that you're so strong that you can create a spiritual place anywhere you go. Exactly. Yeah, because it was uh, with what you're saying here, the next line, Sri Advaita told Lord Chaitanya, wherever you are, oh Lord, there is Vrindavan. So I love that. Beautiful. I think that's a wonderful way to wrap that up. Yes. And so in the next episode, we will be on chapter eight, text number 15. And you know what's one sentence? That's a really pretty way to wrap it up. Yes. Go crazy. (laughs) No, no. It's just super sweet. A pure devotee cannot forget the Supreme Lord for a moment. And similarly, the Supreme Lord cannot forget his pure devotee for a moment. And that was so loving and so sweet. Beautiful. In the next episode, we will talk about chapter eight, text 15. (laughs) Wonderful. All right. (laughs) Thanks for joining, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye. beautiful souls if you like what you're hearing please follow us on instagram at modern yogi podcast and if you love what you're hearing please make sure to share a link to our podcast at modern yogi podcast with all your friends families and long lost cousins and if you have any questions at all send us a dm on instagram at modern yogi podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you thank you for listening to the The Modern modern yogi